we want to try to optimize that solution. And really that's done through, you know, we've got sizing softwares and uh, if, if we can look at the application and really plug in your requirements and, and make a recommendation based on that, I think everyone's going to be in a lot better shape. Welcome to the McNaughton McKay podcast, your electrical connection. Each episode, we meet with an industry expert to tackle real issues in manufacturing. Join your host, Austin Davidson, to get the latest scoop on automation products and solutions. Hey there, and welcome back to the McNaughton McKay podcast. Today, we're going to be discussing coordinating the mechanical and electrical sides of the manufacturing floor and the issues that arise when doing that. And to help me walk through this, I am joined by a systems engineer with a focus in mechatronics. During his time at McNaughton McKay, he has gained experience in both the mechanical and the electrical side of engineering. He is going to help us walk through what is mechatronics. Today, I'm joined by Randy Mueller. Randy, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Austin. Happy to be here. So systems engineer with a focus in mechatronics. Uh, I know I know that's what we're going to be talking about today, but could you help me understand what the mechatronics term actually means? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, to boil it down, most simply, it's the combination of mechanical engineering with electrical and controls. You know, this is something that our industry is really shifting in this direction where you're not um, going down these separate paths anymore, but really you're, you're talking about these two things together. So, you know, whether that's colleges now, you know, offering mechatronics classes and even degrees. Um, so this is something where we at Mac and Mac are trying to uh, help bridge the gap between these departments uh, with, with our customers so that we can provide optimized solutions right all the way from the network and the PLC down to the drive, the motor, the gearbox, and whatever is attached to the end of that, right? The belt, the ball screw, rack and pinion, you name it. Well, it's interesting because as, as far as I'm concerned, you basically explained everything that we do with manufacturing. So you know, it, it makes sense, obviously, to make things move. We got to have electricity and having that understanding back and forth. I feel like any any undergrad classes I had when we had mechanical engineers, they were taking classes with the electrical engineers and vice versa. So it seems like they're just kind of rounding that out and, and making it an actual thing or giving it a term when it's it's kind of been there the whole time, right? Yeah, it absolutely has. And, you know, maybe it, it wasn't as, as much of a point of emphasis. And, you know, I, I've got to admit myself as a mechanical engineer uh, by degree, I probably didn't pay as close of attention as I wish I would have uh, in my electrical classes. You know, I didn't think it would be as important as you see it really is once you enter the industry. Yeah. Okay. So uh, mechatronics is essentially the marrying of mechanical engineering and electrical engineering, we'll say just for going forward. So, Obviously, it's something where you have to coordinate both of those together. And from your definition, it kind of sounds like we're coordinating almost everything on the plant floor. And I'm assuming, you know, given everybody still has some scar tissue over the past few years and, and it's it's not perfect now, but the supply chain has, has been a, a pain, right? So is this is this something that you guys are focusing on? You know, what what are you doing around this term mechatronics? to actually help our customers. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll touch a bit on the uh, supply chain piece, um, but just to go back to your, your first piece there about just marrying the electrical and the mechanical on, mm -hmm. on the plant floor, right? I think we are seeing a lot of our customers adopting this and um, taking this path, but there are at the same time, many that are 
kind of still going the old-fashioned way, right, of the mechanical um, team creates their design and maybe makes their selections um, for mechanical hardware and maybe through the motor. And then they hand it off to the electrical and the controls team, right, who are then selecting the appropriate drive, PLC, everything from there. And, and what you see um, when that approach is taken, right, is there are often some things that are overlooked. And just to go into a little bit of detail there, right, things that may be missed when you're taking that approach. Um, mm-hmm. So, for example, you you may see problems with inertia mismatch. So, you know, wh- what is inertia? It's it's really just the resistance of an object to a change in its speed, right? Okay. An object in motion stays in motion. An object mm-hmm. at rest stays at rest. Um, that's not always directly factored into, okay, I need this much torque and I need this much speed, right? That's a, that's a whole other thing where if you don't take that into account, um, sure, your motor may have the, the right amount of torque and the right amount of speed, but if there's a large inertia mismatch between the load and the rotor, Tuning that servo drive, for example, could be a nightmare. You may not have a very responsive system. Um, you could have vibrations and uh, maybe high frequencies and and really just a, a mess of uh, actual machine when, when it comes to actually performing the function that you need. So, you know, that's something that can often be overlooked. Yeah. And one of our previous episodes, I believe with control station, we, we did walk through that, you know, the, the control loops and the tuning uh, specifically of, uh, I believe we were talking about PID controllers, but I'm sure you can segue that into, you know, motion controllers and, and pretty much anything where you have a feedback loop, you know, one thing gets out of whack and it gets, at least from the explanation I got from their team, uh, it, it can get hairy very fast. Oh, absolutely. Right. The control theory is the same. And really what it comes down to is if up front you're designing your system to have an inertia mismatch that's within a a nice window, you know, a good rule of thumb is 10 to 1 from the load to the rotor inertia, Mm -hmm. you're going to have a much better time tuning that system. And you may not even have to tune it at all, right? Lots of the modern kinetics drives from Rockwell have auto tuning features that you just turn them on. And if you don't have a large mismatch, it's going to run out of the box um, and you're not going to have any issues. Oh, so we just buy kinetics and then we don't need to even talk to you, right? Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so if we have inertia mis, mis excuse me, if we have inertia mismatches, that that's one thing that it can occur, but you were alluding to a couple of other common issues that you see. Could could we walk through those as well? Yeah, absolutely. So one other thing that that you'll see um, maybe when when a mechanical team has selected some hardware, let's say a ball screw and a gearbox or something along those lines, is that they may have limitations, maybe torque or speed limitations, that the motor that you end up wanting to connect to these drivetrains can exceed. So maybe maybe the motor is capable of you know six thousand RPMs and the ball screw um, is really rated for much, much less than that or torque or, you know, whatever that may be. Um, For whatever Mm -hmm. reason, that motor still could be a good fit and you may want to use that motor, but having the understanding of, okay, this mechanical hardware is capable of this and this motor is capable of this. Now you can hop into the software and software limit that motor to a certain amount of peak torque or software limit the speed so that you don't risk damaging the mechanical hardware. Okay. It's kind of like putting a governor on, I guess. <laughs> if you want to look at it that way, yes. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I like analogies, even if they're terrible, but it makes more sense in my head. Uh, so, okay. So there, there's obviously a lot of issues and, and it's from the sounds of it, 
we need specialists, you know, that specialize in electrical stuff uh, and specialize on the mechanical side. But having someone who understands both of those obviously is integral to these projects and these machines functioning as they should. Um, so we, you said we we're going to come back to it. So I do want to take a step back because I'm assuming this is something your team helps with. But, you know, we've done all this fine tuning. We've got a guy who understands both sides. We've built all this. And then supply chain issues happen and all these things that were perfectly married together are no longer married together. What, you know, what do we do then? Is it a cascading effect? I mean, that's what it sounds like it would be to me. <laughs> yeah. You know, Austin, I tried to put it off as long as I could, but there really is no delaying it. We're, we're, we're back to the supply chain and, and, you know, that is a very common customer issue right now. And it's, it's something that we try to help alleviate that pain as much as we can. Um, and so from my standpoint, from the mechatronic standpoint, right, lots of the things that we see are, you know, trying to find better availability for a part. And what does that mean for the rest of your system? So when, when a customer is tasked with coordinating, you know, with multiple vendors, one change, like you said, can have a cascading effect. And now you may need to coordinate, you know, changes to the entire design. Our mechatronics team, we, we want to be that single point of contact for our customer. We want to, mm -hmm. you know, let's say, for example, this is one that, um, you know, happens frequently, but I've got a perfect example for it, right? A customer comes to me and they say, I've got this servo drive on order, but it's super long lead time, right? Um, join the club. But let's, let's, talk, let's talk about the application a little bit, right? What do you, what do you need this servo drive yeah. to do? Um, come to find out that, you know, they probably don't need all the bells and whistles of that family of drives. So we can probably get away with this alternative family of servo drives with a better lead time. Everyone's happy, right? Not so much because, you know, now, now, now you say um, this, this motor uh, that we were previously using, well, this, this series isn't, um, isn't compatible with this new servo drive, right? You run into, run into yeah. issues like that all the time. So when, when we are, you know, looking at all the parts and pieces, we can say, okay, not a problem. Let me take the specs from this motor, find a comparable motor in a new series that is compatible. Um, maybe it's not perfectly one for one, but, but then in, when that's the case, I can say, okay, what gearbox are we using? Well, if we change this ratio from a eight to one to a five to one, now we're going to get the same performance as you did with the old motor, making sure that that gearbox frame size stays the same so that it'll still mount up to the same uh, ball screw actuator that you had specified. And even if it didn't, right, I could work with that manufacturer, the ball screw manufacturer, to make sure that we get a new adapter plate sized up. And the whole system's going to still work together like you initially planned, except now you're going to get this machine built, right, in two months compared to 10. And I think, you know, the the supply chain is kind of the, the funny lean-to topic, right, even at this point. But honestly, I mean, if you if you even take the supply chain out of it, I'm sure there's times where, you know, either the scope of the machine changes in terms of what we're trying to do, or there's some kind of modifications or adjustments that are done. And yeah, we could still say we can get all the parts tomorrow, uh, but I'm sure there still are tons of things. Like, I mean, you just walk through a lot of different changes from one uh, servo drive. So, you know, obviously that, that information is, is pertinent, I would imagine, almost every project. Yeah, I mean, even if we're not talking about deliveries, right, if we're just talking about solution optimization, right, and what does that mean? It's it's selecting the right sized hardware for the job, um, you know, to a certain safety factor, but really so that you don't have 
safety factor buildup, which is what happens when you're just saying, okay, I need cross me this motor and you, and you cross the motor and you're not going to choose one that's slightly uh, less capable. You're going to choose one that's slightly more capable. And then the next sure. time you build this machine, if you need to cross it again, you know, it, it stacks. The next thing you know, you've got an extremely over engineered or an oversized system. Now, now you need a larger drive. Now you need larger motor cables and everything builds up. We want to try to optimize that solution. And really that's done through, you know, we've got sizing softwares. And uh, if, if we can look at the application and really plug in your requirements and, and make a recommendation based on that, I think everyone's going to be in a lot better shape. Well, that's interesting to me because not only are, are we now picking something that will, will work exactly how the customer needs and, you know, maybe we get it faster, but... <laughs> It's very rare that we'll get it cheaper. So if we'll get it cheaper, I mean, that's that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's something that you see where they say, oh, you know, can you quote me this gearbox? And you say, well, you know, what motor are you using? Man, that that gearbox seems very oversized. Let's let's talk about this, right? Sure, sure. So, you know, I know this is something that you might not be able to answer one to one, but it sounds like it's extremely important for you guys or, or you guys can make a lot larger impact if you are brought in earlier into the project, right? I, I think that's something from my standpoint, I harp on a lot coming from like this sensor and safety world. There are a lot of bells and whistles and there's a lot of optimization we can take advantage of if those are introduced appropriately at the beginning of the project, rather than trying to, you know, retrofit them at the end, uh, then, you know, a, a lot of the benefits are kind of lost. So is that something you would argue that, you know, the earlier you guys are brought in, the more effective you can be? Couldn't have said it any better myself, Austin. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly it, right? The mechanical team often is starting the design, you know, six months before the uh, controls team is really even looking at, at their piece to the, to the machine. So, uh-huh. I, you know, the perfect scenario is, you know, we get brought in as soon as possible. So we're starting to look at the design with the mechanical team and, you know, with this, mechatronics approach and with you know knowing down the line what uh what controls are going to eventually be looking at we're able to maybe steer the ship a little bit better to choose um hardware that's going to be optimized to the eventual controls hardware and and the software and everything else awesome well that's all the questions i had personally is there anything else about mechatronics or the capabilities of mcnaughton mckay that you would like to call out before we wrap this up uh, yeah, I mean, I just like to emphasize, right, myself, you know, being, let's say, five years into the industry, I'm certainly not an expert on everything. But I think where Mac and Mac can really help is we've got contacts at our vendors that are, you know, specialists in all sorts of things. So so whether it's mechanical vendors, I'd, I'd say at Mac and Mac, we very much stay in the loop and we can keep our ear to the ground, right, for cutting edge technologies. And we get to see a variety of applications. So maybe we can provide some of that industry expertise to an application that, you know, is just something that hasn't been thought of before. So, you know, whether it's, whether it's something that, that I'm an expert on, or, you know, I've just heard about it and I I know who to go to. I think that's, that's really the, the benefit of our team is that we've got, we've got contacts and we've got specialists that we can, that we can rely on to really get the best solution possible for our customers. 
I think uh, from the sounds of it, maybe you need to change your title from systems engineer to officiant because it sounds like you're marrying a lot of stuff together. <laughs> well, lots of coordination, but uh, yes, <laughs> yeah, I'll, yes, I'll stay away from the uh, I'll stay away from the the wedding aisle for now. Um, I don't think I'm <laughs> don't think I'm qualified there. <laughs> awesome. Well, Randy, I appreciate the time. I appreciate the understanding of. Uh, what this newer mechatronics term is that everybody's been throwing around uh, and the capabilities that Mac and Mac has. And remember folks, if you have any questions about this episode or previous episodes, please feel free to reach out to your McNaughton McKay account manager, or you can always email us at podcast at mc-mc.com. Randy, thanks man. Have a good day. Thanks for having me, Austin. You have a good one.